Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiaga Prem, and we're coming down to the end of the Bhagavad Gita. Today, it is the 17th chapter, and it's all about the power of faith. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, you can always go back and tune in. And then there's going to be some big shifts in the new year, and the way that's going to work is that I'm going to release uh, at least one podcast a month for free on the platform here. And then if you're interested in the text studies the rest of the time, uh, all you have to do is make that $5 a month uh, contribution to the work. Because... You know, I put a lot of effort into this and I do my very best to give what I can. And, you know, I have uh, responsibilities and a family and uh, I will put at least one out a month on the free platform and then everything else. You can continue to get the episodes on Mondays and that's going to start uh, in the new year. So if you want to keep listening to the text studies, that's the place to do it. If you're a full-time student of the Tattva's Yoga Studies program, uh, I'll give you access to the episodes as part of your tuition. Uh, so those are some uh, options for you. If you have questions, let me know. So, uh, And the way you can do that is through either go to my website, tattvasyoga.com, or click the link uh, section of my Instagram at tiagaprem. Um, if you're having trouble figuring it out beyond that, just let me know. You can also do it via Spotify. So if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, you can do it that way. And it's just essentially like buy me a cup of coffee and uh, you can tune into the episodes and that'll allow me to continue to buy new equipment and just make sure that uh, we can continue to get these podcasts out to you. Um, I think that's it for now. So let's get into it. Oh, yeah. And also, we're going to do Yoga Sutras starting in the new year. So if you're keen to get into the Yoga Sutras exploration, then uh, definitely recommend becoming a subscriber to the podcast. And if you're uh, a full-time student of Tattvas, that's the best way to really study this stuff is to get involved and become a student today at tattvasyoga.com. All right, that's my intro for today, my friends. Let's get into it. So as I mentioned in the intro, to, today we're talking about the power of faith. This is the 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. We've got one more week to go. And just before I do start, I want to let you know that I am beginning teaching the Tattva sequence um, in Vancouver uh, starting today, actually, which is December the 12th. So the classes are going to be on Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. and then on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. And it'll give you an opportunity to get a taste of this, uh, this beautiful practice, which is basically like a marriage uh, between or a blend or a remix or a mashup of Ashtanga, Ashtanga Yoga or Ashtanga Vinyasa as taught uh, through T. Krishnamacharya, down through Patabi Joyce, down through some of my teachers today. Uh, it's an amazing practice. I love it so much. And then also uh, from my teacher, Sri Dharma Mitra, as people call it, Dharma Yoga. Uh, he calls it Hatha Raja Yoga. So it's just this blend of the two and lots of philosophy in there. Uh, silent practice, emphasis on the breath, and uh, the opportunity to really go into some deep and dynamic postures. So if that speaks to you, 
uh, please join in for that. And if you don't live in Vancouver, best way to do it is become a full-time student at tatvasyoga.com. Okay, so power of faith. This is a great one. Uh, you know, at this point in the conversation between Krishna and Arjuna, um, Arjuna is going deep. You know, he's getting it. He's he's in. His heart is open. His mind is open, and he's listening uh, deeply. You know, to to the, his teacher essentially, and his teacher is the the inner knower. I like that language, right? Krishna is the inner knower, his inner guide, and he recognizes this. He's he's having an awakening to who he is. He's he's attained true knowledge, and then this is where uh, Krishna is going to break down shraddha or faith. And that's a key part of the practice. It's a key part of the practice. So in the start of the chapter, Arjuna says, O Krishna, what is the state of those who disregard the scriptures but still worship with faith? Do they act from sattva, rajas, or tamas? So the one who kind of ignores the rules but still um, comes from a devotional place. And here's what Krishna says. He says, every creature is born with faith of some kind whether it's sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic. Listen, and I will describe each to you. So as we mentioned in previous episodes, if you're new, just a little just a little quick review. Those are the gunas, or the three qualities of nature, or the manifest realm. Sattva is uh, clarity, or like a lightness, uh, or levity. I like that word too. Rajas is uh, movement, um, heat, uh, you know to be going here, going there, going here, going there, moving, 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 whereas tamasic is slow, sluggish. Um, You with me? So he's saying that faith uh, also has these qualities of nature. And when I say qualities of nature, I'm talking about everything in the manifest realm. And then he says, I'm going to describe them to you. And he says that our faith conforms to our nature, Arjuna. The human nature is made of faith. Okay. So essentially, you are what your shraddha is. Your faith is like what defines who you are. It is a reveal of the diamond within. See how I did that there? Uh, those who are sattvic worship the forms of the one or God or whatever language you want to use. Um, those who are rajasic worship power and wealth. Give me more. And those who are tamasic tend to worship spirits and ghosts. Some invent harsh penances motivated by hypocrisy and egotism, and we've seen that over and over with uh, dogmatic religious uh, sort of approaches to this. And they torture their innocent bodies and the inner knower within. It's like you stop listening to the inner guide and you just start, like pushing yourself, essentially like punishing yourself in the name of faith. And we've seen that through the ages in different parts of the world. Blinded by their strength and passion, they act and think like demons. The three kinds of faith express themselves in the habits of those who hold them, in the food they like, in the work they do, the disciplines they practice, the gifts they give. Listen, and I will describe them. Right? And... You can see this. It's like 
I was saying t- to some students uh, at Yoga Union, where I teach in Tawasan on Saturdays, beautiful community there at 11.30 a.m. We do a full uh, tattvas every week. It's great. And I was saying to them, I used to have a teacher many years ago who, uh, you know, they were vegan, they were animal rights activist. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be like that. And, you know, I was DJing, partying. Uh, I knew about veganism from growing up around hardcore shows, but I just never had the guts or the self-awareness or the willpower to do it. Because one of the curses when I was young is I just wanted people to like me. So I'll just go along with whatever the group I was with was doing and ignore my own vision and values to fit in, which is a problem, (laughs) you know, like Krishna and Arjuna is a prime example. This is why this text is so informative to me because Arjuna is learning to do what is his destiny as opposed to going along with logic or the vision and values of others, but to truly listen to the inner guide, right? So this teacher used to say to me, don't worry about like, you know, trying to too hard or trying to force it or, or becoming dogmatic, which like young animal rights people tend to do. Uh, this teacher told me, don't worry about any of that. Just do the practice and naturally the diet will follow. And I remember being young and thinking like, what? There's no way you have to put effort in. It's hard. Like you have to, you know, that kind of thing. And that was uh, young and dumb. Because now I'm on the other end of, uh, you know, some really hard years and things are going really great now. And and the reason they're going really great is that I really put my practice, which is my destiny to be a student of yoga. And I I recognize that I made that the center of my life, Uh, not by anyone else's standards, but by just committing to doing what I know is best and, and making that a priority. And then you know what happens? Any kind of bad food, it drops away. And it's not like, you know, once in a while I don't have a pizza or I go and have pastry Friday with my daughter. Like you create some structure around the things that are not so great for your body so that they are not uh, a part of like your habitual patterning and they don't become uh, natural, right? They're unnatural. So you don't want them to be a part of our daily routine. But if we can once in a while have something unnatural, if the rest of the time we're living a lifestyle that is supernatural, that's the way of the yogi, then you know that those unnatural experiences won't uh, won't cause a lot of harm to the organism. In fact, they'll probably satisfy the senses for a moment, and then you can move on. You with me? Okay, so. These habits, they show up like in these qualities, whether it's light, clear, levity, or whether it's movement, heat, or whether, you know, and that with that, like it said, comes greed, money, power, wealth, more, 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 get, 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 go, 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 take, take, take. And then the other, which is sort of like, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to sit here. And the you know, when you eat bad food, that's how you feel. You know, you eat a bunch of fi- fried food and you feel like you're in a coma. That's tamasic. Okay, so sattvic people enjoy food that is mild, tasty, substantial, uh, substantial, agreeable, nourishing, food that promotes health, strength, cheerfulness, and longevity. Essentially, you're not eating for pleasure. 
you're not eating for entertainment. Essentially, you're eating for fullness of life, or as the Rastafarians call it, livity. I love that word. Fullness of life, health and strength. That's what why you take in food. And that means you can enjoy those foods, obviously. But if you're accustomed to having a lot of rajasic food or a lot of tamasic food, you, you, you're so distorted in your taste that you don't even realize two things. One, that what you're eating is unhealthy. And two, that what you're eating doesn't taste that good anyways. Your taste buds have been perverted. Have you heard that before? <laughs> and then he goes on to say, Rajasic people like food that is salty, bitter, hot, sour, spicy. Foods that promote pain, discomfort, and disease. Inflammation, too much heat in the body. You know, and if you have, let's say you have like a lot of like mucus because you're, you know, you're not feeling well and there's a lot of tamasic energy in the body, you could at first, you know, eat a hot, spicy soup, get the nose running, and then move over to the sattvic food. But the thing is, is that if you're eating the primarily sattvic in the first place, chances are you're not going to have all that mucus anyways. Like when the mucus starts to build up, hit the neti pot, make sure you're not eating any dairy. You know what I'm saying? And maybe do some fasting. And it'll dry out. All that mud will dry out. And then tamasic people like overcooked, stale, leftover, impure food. You know, things that are just really not food. You know, like, uh, like say you can like leave a, a Twinkie. Like a, there could be a nuclear sort of disaster and there'd still be Twinkies left on planet Earth. I mean, it's not food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about like um, rituals, essentially. And then he says, the sattvic perform sacrifices with their entire mind fixed on the purpose of the sacrifice. Without thought of reward, they follow the teachings. Okay. So it's like, uh, I don't know if you all know the story about Guru Nanak, one of my personal heroes, the first guru of the Sikh tradition. I'm tattooed on my right wrist. I love that man and love his wisdom and his guidance. And, uh, you know, he was alive 550 years ago. He's still guiding me today, and I'm super thankful. And there's this great story about him where he gets in trouble, essentially, for whatever it is, maybe like selling. I think it's like selling. The, there's a lot of forced conversions to Islam at the time. And by the way, this is not about Islam. It's about not allowing people the freedom to practice whatever faith they choose, including Islam. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Um, so, you know, when governments come into power and tell you what to believe and what to put in your body and how to pray, that's a problem. So that's what I'm addressing here. I think Islam is a beautiful uh, faith, and I have, I'm have i so inspired by so many Islamic teachers, including the rapper Brother Ali. I, I love Brother Ali. Get yourself some Brother Ali if you don't have some already. Anyhow, so there's these you know forced conversions, forced ways of behaving, he gets into some trouble. Um, he's accused. Oh, he, uh, he, you know what he says is that he comes back after this awakening when he downloads the Japji Sahib. 
And he essentially comes back after having this experience with oneness, you know, this awakening. And he comes back and says, there's no such thing as a Muslim and there's no such thing as a Hindu. And that's like a dangerous thing to say at the time, you know. It's like in some countries today, if you say, like, don't trust your government, and then your government's going to try and silence you. Similar vibe. Okay, So he gets into some trouble, and in order for, you know, for them to correct his rebellious behavior, which is, he, he was truly a rebel, which is why I really love Guru Nanak. Not a rebel just to, like, piss people off, but a rebel in the name of love and oneness, which can piss people off, but that's not the point. You know what I'm saying? So, so anyways, he gets uh, he gets taken to to pray essentially, and they want him to do these uh, traditional prayers, okay, it, it, that are in alignment with the government officials who are practicing Islam. Not well, obviously, because they're har- harming others um, and not you know embodying the faith that they carry there more using it as exploitation, manipulation, and control, which is still happening today. Uh, see the protests in Iran. We stand with you in Iran, especially women in Iran and the revolution that's happening there. Shout out. Um, anyways, he's, he's taken to do these prayers, and when they do, you know, there's a whole ritual around it, and there's these bowings that happen at certain times, and he just doesn't do it. He just sits there. And you can imagine that the government officials get very angry about this because he's supposed to submit, you know, to the overseer. And he won't do it. And they said, well, why weren't you praying? He said, you weren't praying either. And they're like, how, what do you mean? He said, well, you, and he points to one of them, you were thinking about how you're going to make some money to buy a new horse. And you were thinking about the new horse that you already bought. You, you weren't even... Your mind was not even fixed on God. It was fixed on material goods and the accumulation of wealth. And the two people were shocked because he read their minds. And he said, at least if you're going to pray, pray fully. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the surface. What matters is the issue of the heart and what is the intent behind it. And so when they talk about this, they're saying essentially the same thing about sattva. It's like, why are you doing this? It's not about what it looks like on the outside, that's secondary. What is the purpose of it? You know, to connect with everything around me as my beloved, to see the God in all. Okay, great, cool. Does that routine that you go through every day support that? Yeah, okay. Is that the driving force and why you do it? Yep, okay, you got sattva on your hands. The rajasic performs sacrifices for the sake of sake of show. Oh, look at me. Look how much I gave. Look how much I pray. Look how good I am. And essentially, they want everyone to notice so that they can accumulate more. Which, you know, we have all kinds of issues with that in religious organizations. A lot of rajas. And then there's the tamasic, which uh, they perform sacrifices ignoring the letter and the spirit is kind of like, ah, whatever, I don't need anything to do with any of this. It's just BS, so F it, and let's go to the pub. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they, they don't pray for their food. They don't say thank you. They don't say thank you to God. They might not even say thank you to anybody. And that's very tamasic. To offer service to the gods, to the good, to the wise, and to your spiritual teacher. 
This is something that I've learned lately, and I want to put an apology in this. So I didn't realize when I was like busy. I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't. It wasn't so much conscious. I was just trying to get healed, y'all, in my practice. And there were people who were like, wow, he's doing good. So I want to look to him for guidance. And I want to just say right now that I was inconsistent and out of integrity and selfish for a long time. And it was me just trying to get healed. And I've learned some lessons as of late that if you're going to be a teacher, there's a few things that are very important. You better be a very committed student, first and foremost. And being a very committed student is going to keep you in integrity. And what's going to make you a very committed student in integrity is your consistency in your showing up, your staying power, and also the quality of that consistency. And that's the sattvic part. I know this is my destiny. So even if I'm tired, even if I'm feeling broke down, even if I, whatever it might be, I'm going to show up because it's God's calling. It's God's plan, as the Drake song says. And I'm here for it. And before, I just thought, well, everybody should just appreciate the fact that I'm a broken person healing. Nah. I was wrong. But I had to go through that. Okay? So just be cautious. If you think, like, I want to be a teacher, be a student first, work through your healing, make a commitment to being in integrity, being consistent, and keeping the quality of that consistency sattvic. And if there's too much Thomas and there's too much Rajas, step back from teaching until you're ready. Believe me, it will cause less pain for yourself and for others. Because I did it the wrong way, and now I'm trying to do better. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for believing in me. All right. So the sattvic, you know, they're making their offerings, and they're living as a spiritual teacher with purity, honesty, continence, and nonviolence. These are the disciplines of the body. To offer soothing words, to speak truly, kindly, and helpfully, and to study the scriptures. Right? Learn from the wisdom teachings. These are the disciplines of speech, calmness, gentleness, silence, self-restraint, clarity. These are the disciplines of the mind. When these three levels of of self-discipline are practiced without attachment to results, that's the tiaga. Do it because it has to be done. Do it because it's your calling. Do it because you know it's what you're here for. Don't make a big story about it. Don't complain. Just do it simply because it must be done. Don't do it because you need more money. Don't do it because you need more. Do it because it must be done. Now there's going to be an exchange. That's the nature of nature. But just watch where your heart is at. Like my teacher Dharma would say, this is all for you, my Lord. That's the intent. That's the sattvic intent. Okay, Remain in a great spirit of faith. That's what the sages call a sattvic practice. 
So I've said it before, right? It's like if you notice that your teacher is eating a lot of bad food, drinking a lot of alcohol, taking drugs, feels lazy, is complaining, you got a Tomasic teacher on your hands. Be, be wary of that and also be wary of it in yourself because you called that person into your life because you're in that space. So you want to transcend that? All right. What can you do? To counter that, as Patanjali said, meet it with the opposite. Stop taking drugs. Stop drinking. Stop eating fried foods. Stop complaining. And you might need some heat to do that. So what do you do? Take practice. Get up early. Go to bed early. Work hard. Go through the fire. Okay? But then you may notice that you have a teacher in your life that is just like too busy, going too fast, can't slow down, more, 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 no time for meditation, no time for practice, just busy. All right, just notice. Notice it in them, notice it in yourself because they go together. What can you do about it? Slow down. Create more space for meditation. Go slow through the transitions. Don't, re don't relax the effort, but change the quality of effort. Bring devotion into the practice. Let the breath be the guide. Study the scriptures a little more. Do some seva, some service, some kind actions for others. And hopefully in, do, in noticing that balance, those pairs of opposites of the Rajas and Tamas, you start to cultivate a little bit of sattva and you find yourself in the company of teachers and students who are really dedicated to the practice, who are lifers, who've had their lives saved by the, the practice and so they're in. They put the bottle down. They put the drugs down. They put the exploitation and abusive behavior down. They realize where they went wrong, and they know that the practice is what's supporting them to do that, and so they're doing everything they can to be in that pure state. And yes, they say the wrong things, and yes, they have moments where the Thomas slips in or the Raja slips in, but generally, generally, they are consistent and by the way, we're all learning how to do that. You know, we're used to being in that tamasic state all the time. It takes a while for that to be undone and no longer feel natural to the practitioner. If we're used to being in that rajasic state all the time, it's going to take effort, you know, to create some space and transmute that busyness and that intense energy into uh, sweetness and service. You with me, y'all? Okay. Disciplines practiced in order to gain respect, honor, or admiration are rajasic, right? It's not, it's not so that other people will say, aren't you so great? That's the problem sometimes with like, look, that person can do all the asanas. They are therefore the good teacher. Not necessarily. Look closer. Celebrate them. Oh, wow, you can do that. That's amazing. Spend some time in their company. Notice how, you know, how their presence is. And then, you know, of course, it's not up to you to call that out. It's for you to go, oh, wow, if they're missing the mark there and I'm here noticing it, this is an opportunity for me to look at myself 
and remove the log from my own eye, as JC said. You know what I'm saying? Disciplines practice to gain power over others or in the confused belief that to torture oneself is spiritual or tamasic. Level the playing field, y'all. Sahana vavatu, sahana bunaktu, sahaviryam karavavahai, tejas vinawaditamastu, ma vid vishalvahai. Or like Guru Nanak said, no one is higher and no one is lower. And when we get into that state where we recognize you know, what we're doing this for, to experience sameness, samadhi, oneness, to heal, then that hierarchy can be dissolved. Giving simply because it is right to give without a thought of return at a proper time in proper circumstances and to a worthy person is sattvic giving. Giving with regrets or in the expectation of receiving some favor or of getting something in return is rajasic. Giving at an inappropriate time in inappropriate circumstances and to an unworthy person without affection or respect is tamasic. Right? So everybody look at me. Look how generous I am. Rajasic. Giving and you know, not paying attention to why you're giving and who you're giving it to and just not really caring. You know, I had that uh, uh, some time ago when I was doing the kundalini yoga thing and there were some people who were really hesitant to uh, bow and the Guru Granth Sahib, like the scriptures of the six. And, you know, I was like, look, y'all, do you love the sounds that you hear when you do this practice? Because for me, that's what it's all about. You know, the exercises are cool, but I really loved hearing, you know, the Japji Sab every morning and the Gurbani Kirtan. Like, it was just so, it's so powerful. And if you have never been to the Harimandar Sahib or the Golden Temple in Amritsar, please go. It's one of the most amazing spaces you could ever find yourself in. And, you know, I was saying, like, okay, so the, this book which to a sikh is not a book but is a living embodiment of wisdom and the sound teachings right and and when you go and you put your forehead on the ground you are essentially saying thank you and showing respect and if you don't want to do that that's tamasic behavior it's not like you have to join the faith and now you have to stop cutting your hair and just bow Every chance you get, bow. Every chance you get, celebrate. Every chance you get, be there in love and devotion. You know, as long as it doesn't compromise your safety, you know, somebody's trying to assault you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just say thank you. Come on. (laughs) So most people will change their tune after that, you know, and said, okay, I guess I can say thank you. Om Tat Sat, these three words represent Brahman, from which, like creator, from which come priests and scriptures and sacrifice. Those who follow the Vedas therefore always repeat the word Om when offering sacrifices, performing ritual disciplines, or giving gifts. Those seeking liberation and not any personal benefit add the word Tat, 
when performing these acts of worship, discipline, and chastity. Okay, so not for not for the benefit of any other reason than to experience oneness. And sat means that which is. It also indicates goodness. Therefore, it is used to describe a worthy deed. To be steadfast in self-sacrifice, self-discipline, and giving is sat. Sat, sat, satya, meaning truth. To act in accordance with these three is sat as well. Right? The om, the vibration that is in all of life. The tat, which is the performing spiritual disciplines, the giving of gifts, service. Right? Charity, kindness, compassion, and truthfulness. The three are a living truth. And understanding this will connect you to true knowledge, which means the interconnectedness of all of life. But to engage in sacrifice, self-discipline, and giving without good faith is asat, without truth. Because your intention is not uh, from a loving place. It's seeking to other. You with me? Without worth or goodness. And it will cause harm in this life and in the next. So watch your intent. And cultivating, the faith part is cultivating an intent that is for the highest good. Connected to true knowledge. Because you recognize what you do to another, you do to yourself. You with me? All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to share this podcast with you all. And I will see you next Monday for the final chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. If you haven't already, please do sign up and become a full-time student of the Tattvas Yoga Studies program. Hope to see you in classes at Casa Kopal and at Yoga Union in Tawasin. Lots of great opportunities for study in the new year. So looking forward to that. And if you want to, you know, if you're not able to make that full-on commitment yet to do the full Tattvas Yoga Studies program, consider making that $5 commitment uh, to the podcast so we can continue to get it to you every Monday in the new year. Thanks so much, everybody. Much love and have a beautiful week.